Welcome to another episode of Wild and Exposed, your wildlife photography and outdoor adventure podcast. Today is kind of a special episode for all of us. It's our first one in a long time where Michael Morrow, Ron Hayes, and myself, Mark Raycroft, are all sharing the same space and recording this together in person. And not only that, we are on the coast of Alaska. And not only that, we're floating in a boat anchored in a little bay sheltered in an amazing landscape that you will be able to see images from on our website from this trip but today is the first podcast and we're fortunate to spend this time and share today's content with a very interesting fellow that's hosted us on his boat for the past two days and for tomorrow as well bill bruner seward charters Welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us. And part of the reason we've invited you on the show, and not only because of your boat and what it offers for wildlife and nature photographers, and not only that, the experience and the wealth of knowledge that you have and that you've shared with us over the past two days. Really, you know, we want, we talked about doing this podcast this morning and, and mapping out where we'd go. And I had to pause for a moment because so much of this landscape just leaves a person speechless when you see it firsthand. So there's a lot to digest and Bill has shared some very interesting tidbits from his experiences over the years. Been here for 17 years and a lot of really, I mean, what a life, what a lifestyle. Where do I sign up? Yep. Feel like a lucky guy. This is a dream job and another day at the office out here. We got uh, open ocean in front of us and in one of the, my, one of my favorite places uh, in this whole national park, a place called Taz Basin on Granite Island. Uh, it's a very protected entrance, narrow entrance, about 30 feet to get into it, and then it opens up to a big expanse that you can anchor, spend the night, have a great view of uh, the surroundings, open ocean in front of you, uh, potential for whales to come by, and it's just uh, a very remote place out here as well. So we're about 45 miles from Seward. Really, it doesn't seem like that far. Yeah, yeah, it's 25 miles just to get out of the bay that Seward is in, Resurrection Bay. So. Wow. <laughs> so we're in Kenai Fjords. Mm-hmm. Kenai Fjords National Park. And it's something that, you know, we love. Everywhere we go, we, we learn things, not only about the ecosystems and, and the natural history, but the local terminology. It's been entertaining on this trip. <laughs> so we were looking for wide bodies, and we saw a wide body yesterday. And we're hoping to see a few more tomorrow. But, and what, what's a wide body? Yeah, so on um, our radios, uh, all the boats have a network together that way where they share what they see um, throughout the day. And we all talk in uh, code that way. So if you have a boat full of people and they're listening to the radio and someone says, orcas, orcas are over here, everyone on your boat's going to want to see that. And depending on what's going on, uh, Timing-wise, you might not have time for that as an operator. So we talk in code. Wide body means a humpback whale. Uh, big fins, K-dubs, sea pandas. Those are all terms we use for orcas. Sea panda. We have not heard that one yet on the radio, I don't think. <laughs> no, that's new for the podcast. <laughs> we saw sea pandas yesterday. We did see some sea pandas. Active, too. What's a what's a sausage? Uh, sea sausages. Um those are uh, harbor seals, and we've seen a lot of those today, probably 
well over 50 to 60 harbor seals already today. At least, yeah. Hauling out on the ice to warm up. Um, Sorry, of, hauling out on the ice to warm up. Yeah, right? they haul out yeah, on yeah. the ice to um, Catch some get ice. out of the chilly water. Um, and they do that in front of the glaciers. And we had a special time up there in front of Northwestern Glacier. Spent over an hour, had good calving events off the uh, glacier face itself. And um, tons of seals. There's seals everywhere when we were watching magical, the glacier up there. Magical place. And when it calves, I mean, it doesn't always, but the, the echoing thunderous gunshot sounds. Yeah, I think we've got a few good clips of that audio that we can we can throw in it was fun just i mean it was amazing you can't take it all in there's so much going on the waterfalls all around and you know we're trying to film the glacier so we're standing there for an hour and a half but there's there's no pain to that i was stood there for another three or four hours just taking it in watching the seals and hoping for that slow motion film clip as that glacier breaks off a bit just to illustrate that and what's happening Mm mm-hmm and the recession's significant. That's something you've highlighted to us since the time that you've been chartering up here and, and sharing this landscape with visitors. Yeah, it's uh, dramatic. You know, the glaciers that uh, I started, you know, my career here about 15 years ago when I started seeing some of uh, these glaciers for the first time. And it's staggering how, how much they've changed in that short amount of time. You know, you can only imagine the... Uh, um, how, you know, just for your own uh, short time on, on this planet to see something so grand change before your eyes is, is really staggering. And you could have never imagined that, I'm sure, from that day when you first set foot out here, right? No, I mean, it's, um, this landscape is uh, so big, you know, it's it's seemingly, you know, it uh, just... It's almost set in stone that way, but but every after that first summer and then going to it every summer, it's you kind of hold your breath as you approach the glacier to see what has happened over the winter time to see if it uh, you know occasionally they they do advance some, um, but in general it uh, it's a rapid receding and um, you know alarming. So yeah, you wouldn't expect it. Like you say, the, the landscape is so vast; it looks like it just won't ever change mm -hmm. and these glaciers i mean the the ice is such a vibrant blue it's beautiful and then it's something interesting michael noticed yesterday in the glacier there's dark line going across and you wonder what that is and bill you mentioned that was due to a volcanic well, event i think is what you said yeah, yesterday right yeah the um what what they've been able to t determine so on on glaciers especially on the sides um there's an accumulation of sediment um as they melt so it looks dirty on the sides basically and from their um research about 30 percent of that sediment that looks just kind of like uh, dirt basically is uh, volcanic ash because it's gone through thousands of years of accumulation that mm -hmm. way so. incredible i could have never imagined so we're, we're wildlife guys. That's what we do. But today we kind of we did go there with the intent of trying to find some harbor seals on the ice. Or who knows? But yeah. but I could not have imagined coming around that corner that you took us to this morning, what, what exactly we were going to see. No, and and that's it. it. Yeah, totally even in spite yeah. of the recession, which is not good, because it's it's receded significantly compared to what you what you told us. But 
it was it was the most incredible landscape I've ever seen, and the vast majority of it was the blue ice. Yes, and and not to jump into too many things, but we've seen such a diversity of wildlife, and and you know so much about it. Uh, the bird life, for instance, um, the sea lions, that was fun, right? Mm-hmm. You got your sea legs under you, where where you and your boatmanship of controlling the boat through that narrows and just kind of hovering at the right vantage point was impressive but really it was fun and i and we'll put some clips up i even filmed it on on the smartphone over the shoulder of ron when he was filming the sea lions and the it was like going up and down 10 or 12 feet with the swells right so mm-hmm. all this is changing and now what what kind of challenges that add to a wildlife photographer as a photographer yeah, yeah exactly share share what focusing means i don't know well it, it Basically, you just kind of had to time it so you were either shooting at the top or shooting at the bottom of the swing because when you're in motion, your whole body's in motion, it's hard to control the camera at all. And then we decided to uh, make even a little bit more additional challenge and we had a seagull that was <laughs> seagull that was following us in the boat and uh, so he stood out back and try to get that bird in flight, you know, while we're and it was, it was probably more difficult than, because we were moving at about what 25 knots, 30 knots yesterday. Trying to get that thing while you're moving and bouncing off the waves and still trying to time it, but that it, shooting from a boat, I think photographing anything from a boat is a challenge, especially when you're on big water like this, because there is going to be movement. It's just a matter of how much. And you just have to be able to maximize the opportunities, but they're not, it's not easy. No, and the landscape changed too. Like Mm -hmm. where the sea lions were, they're on this rock formation, but then the swells would climb up on that and splash. So you could get such different imagery from the high and low point of of each wave. But definitely a challenge. And something we would need these image stabilizers and high ISO and high speed to accomplish that successfully. Yeah, I can't. Honestly, I can't imagine trying to shoot that. Props to the guys that shot that with film. Well, it's the right kind of circumstance, weather, day, <laughs> calm, you know. Yeah, exactly. Because it is, it's difficult, and that's with giving yourself maybe a couple hundred opportunities, not just sure. 36. Right. So. Yeah, that's that's beneficial now. You need to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you guys, somebody was laughing at me yesterday when I, I didn't even, can't remember what it was. If it was a seal, we were going by, but because of the movement, I took about 20, 30, 40, maybe 50 pictures just to try and get the one sharp with the eye. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, for sure. Machine gun Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> hey, let's back up before we, we get too to far onto this because I wanted to get into, you were talking about the recession, like we're talking about the glaciers and the changes you've seen over the last 15 years. But give us a snapshot into this year because you were telling us stories about this year with the water warming up. You talked about the blob and maybe you can explain what the blob is. And then just what the outlook is for this year, especially in Alaska. Yeah, we're having um, an exceptionally warm summer this, this year in Seward. Uh, on the Kenai Peninsula, there's wildfires going on because of the high-pressure system that we've had now since about mid-June. Um, we've had smoke in town throughout the summer and smoke out on the water as well. And it's... Um, it is alarming and to see the skyrocketing in the temperature of the ocean right now. Um, for this time of year, 
we typically are 10 degrees colder. Um, our temperature uh, on the ocean is about 65 degrees today and early July sh is usually about 55 degrees and you know it I remember in the last five to ten years it was a big thing to even hit 60 throughout a summer that that was wow this is really warming up uh, now we're you know we're hitting 60 in early June um, and with the amount of sunshine we've had and and the temperatures uh, it's you know there's kind of no no end in sight this summer potentially it's uh, um, you know they're having a hard time even controlling that fire. Uh, they're just diverting it away from the buildings, and they'll let it burn till uh, mid-August is what they're anticipating. So we could have smoky conditions here throughout the rest of the summer. What's the blob? You were telling me about the blob. So they've uh, they have um, in the last five plus years uh, documented a warm body of water off the uh, uh, west coast of. British Columbia and Southeast Alaska that uh, would have temperatures of uh, 75 degrees. And for that area, that is exceptionally warm. And since this blob has been forming and moving throughout the summers here, we, when it would move closer to us, we've actually have been seeing different species of fish that we've never seen before. Sunfish, which is a tropical wow. fish. Um, and different uh, types of jellyfish, and so there is, um, um, you know, a lot of concern that way. We're we're experiencing a um, a light run of um, of uh, whales this year. Actually, our our halibut uh, and salmon fishing has been good, but the actual whale watching experience out here is has been on the light side. You know, and, and we're wondering if if that uh, skyrocketing in ocean temperatures, if that's bothering them if they're trying to seek out some some colder water some some water that's uh you know holding uh more bait fish for them potentially so. it makes sense they'd move further north this to stay company and if the bait fish are up there too i know today we've been on the water now for uh, seven hours six hours and we haven't come across a humpback uh mm -hmm. for this time of year uh, that's highly unusual throughout july when doing a trip like this, we would almost not even mention seeing a whale at this point. We would just, you know, you would see spouts about every 15, 20 minutes. And throughout a day like today, we could see 30 plus humpbacks and all over the place. So it's, uh, you know, things are things are changing and, uh, you know, we're, we're just adapting to them. So. And this is the first year it's been that obvious this early? Yeah, um, last year... Uh, about August 1st, we had a uh, exodus of the humpbacks, and that was unusual. Usually they stick around a few weeks on into August, um, but this year, yeah, it, uh, you know, uh, as a person that goes whale watching and, and in this whale watching community, it is uh, concerning to see um, our return mm -hmm. of humpbacks uh, really. Not knowing where they're going either. It's curious, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, there's uh, a die-off of gray whales this year um, that they're still trying to um, determine the cause of. There's been uh, around 10 to 12 wash-up in the south-central Alaska area, and and there's, you know, 
no definitive proof if it's warmer water or what exactly is going on to um, to cause these whales to, to die. But, um, you know, it's uh, potentially, you know, um, due to this blob and mm-hmm. this warmer warmer water we're experiencing. It's funny that you you talk about that. There's I've gone to a couple speaking engagements where we've got had meteorologists speaking to us because Wyoming's typically dry. Um, and they said that 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 blob that kind of hyper hyper warm water hyper activity and the temperature change in the water off the southeast coast of Alaska is causing the jet stream to actually change course. So rather than, you know, the normal states like the Midwest getting all the moisture, it's happening in the in the Mountain West. It's pushing the jet stream further to the west and and kind of changing how things happen down there. So the major farming epicenters in the in middle America, they aren't getting the moisture that they need and so those crops aren't you know, aren't being produced. So, it, you know, it even affects, you know, aside from just oh, sure. the uh, the glacial recession, it affects economies in the in the Midwest and in the rest of the country as well. Because if, you know, you can't produce the crops, obviously supply and demand would dictate that prices would increase. And it's all connected. So, yeah, everything's connected. Even though it's such a big looking world, it's all connected. Do you have any idea how big the blob is? Just guessing the. I've the seen it on on maps that um, you know show it probably over two thousand miles in uh, size. So really? From holy moly! Wow. You know, if you were to go directly east of Kodiak Island all the way down to potentially Vancouver Island, right? That type of a expanse of warm water. That's very significant. That's a big area for migrating animals to move through, and if it's that, but if the ecosystems change that dramatically for that many miles, then would hinder what they want to do right as yeah, far as their ability uh, to travel through it feed or what they're used to experiencing yeah i know it uh, played a big impact recently in the last few years in our salmon returns as well um there was really good returns on the edges of the blob but the fish were not able to cut through the blob when we've had really bad uh warm water years uh and so places like kodiak and in southeast where they have to move around have actually had a really good return and places like Seward and Homer have had dismal returns in the last, you know, three or four years, uh, where even three years ago was the worst salmon fishing we've had in 40 plus years. So it, uh, Mm. you know, um, you see things like that occurring and it really gets your attention. Mm. And you say that they watch that closely here in Alaska as well, as far as fisheries go for, especially salmon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, you know everything's connected out there, and and to see, you know, big changes in something that uh, people have counted on for generations, uh, either to commercial or charter fish, and and it's uh, something that we're we're watching closely, and um, you know, trying to educate people that come up uh, to to do these trips and. Uh, you know, not not necessarily raise the alarm, but but just be aware of what's going on out there. And, Absolutely. And, you know, we we have wonderful experiences out here. We really appreciate it. But there's also you know changes occurring, and and we want to um, be a you know at least aware of what's going on that way. So. Right. Right. 
And you're not from Alaska. I was just going to say on a nope. lighter note, let's jump. Yeah, I yeah. Want to, yeah. yeah I'm not it. in Kansas anymore. That's, uh, <laughs> I'll go ahead and uh, get that joke get out that of the way. Get that out of the so, way. Nice. Uh, yeah, I grew up in uh, Kansas um, and lucky enough to have come up here right out of high school with my dad on a, on a trip as a tourist. Got a job offer as a raft guide and a kayaking guide. And the rest is kind of history. I was able to see a lot of the state as a uh, outfitter and a guide and uh, settle on Seward, an area that I guided uh, kayaking trips. We would be out for seven days and Seward's a wet place. So in, in that seven days, you can uh, potentially get rained on every day. <laughs> but uh, it's you know, to be able to camp and to paddle through, we, we've been seeing a lot of wildlife, but that's one thing as a, as a kayaker, you can, you know, you're not so intrusive on, on the boat. I do everything I can to, to not spook wildlife, but in a kayak, you know, they just kind of ignore you, which is, was a really special experience. And, um, you know, I, I think having done that side of it, uh, has really helped me uh, operate a boat now because I, I know what I'm missing out. So, so I try to facilitate that kind of, you know, better experience than, mm -hmm. than just, you know, running up to a place, talking about it and then running to the next place. I, 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 I like exploring. I like going to places, you know, yesterday we went into a couple coves that, you know, people really don't go into and it, uh, it was a neat experience. There's uh, otters. It was kind of a nursery. There's little uh, fur balls with baby on board is what we call. But uh, you know, and just keep, keep throwing those in there. <laughs> those names is good. Yeah, yeah. yeah but uh, you know, it's it's just such a special place, and uh, and to have um, you know the experience here to to pass on uh, my passion for it to to a crew like you guys that really appreciate. Um, what what we're doing is uh, just makes it all the more worthwhile. So. so answer this: If you're out there in the early days and you're in a kayak and a humpback comes up next to you, what is that like? Uh, it's scary. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I've uh, I've seen them swim under us. This is uh, typically we have pretty clear water around here, twenty plus feet visibility. So, you know, to to see a whale um swim under your kayak makes you very nervous <laughs> it's got to be but they respect i mean they kind of know don't they or do they they're not gonna tail slap you like they would a seal or something are they yeah you know i i um get the sense of uh you know high intelligence from them uh it's the calves the babies sometimes that you wonder about because they're doing crazier things they're you know getting in trouble like any kid will and uh and they're not small either. So. Right. They're as <laughs> big know, as I, your boat, right? Yeah. And uh, definitely have had, you know, not necessarily close encounters, but, you know, things that uh, will will get your attention and make you nervous. So. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I get the feeling that you've had so many incredible life encounters over the, the years that you spent up here. But I, I also believe that anybody who comes on this experience with you for even a day, if the weather is favorable, but more days will walk away with life experiences, not just in the landscape, but, you know, the wildlife, the diversity, and then what you, what you share. And your kayaking approach, I think, has helped a lot. Or Well, obviously, you know, as far as getting the boat near wildlife works as well, but 
the bird life is phenomenal here. Some of the coves that you've taken us into with these piers of rocks and the puffins just flying like these little jet fighters everywhere are hilarious, but your name for them is even better. The flying potatoes. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us why you call them flying potatoes. Uh, well, they're um, an alcid, so that's a bird that's uh, better at swimming than flying. So if, if you are around puffins a lot, you'll notice that uh, they have a hard time getting lift and when they're in the air, it looks like a real struggle. So uh, they constantly have to beat their wings to, to get anywhere. And uh, if they've been uh, snacking on some fish and, and you're driving up to them and they kind of start flying away, sometimes they have a hard time even getting off the waves and they'll kind of smack their bellies on, on the waves to, until they can get going. So <laughs> <laughs> Aptly named. But if you want to do birds in flight, wow, right? They're There's, tough. Yeah, that's a challenge. But they're super cute looking as they're screaming past mm -hmm. the boat and stuff when you're sitting there and just going back up to the rocks where they're perched or nesting and stuff. So it's uh, and they're they're photogenic and there's there are two species here. Is that correct? We have the tufted and the horned puffin. Um, the horned puffin is the white belly puffin that uh, with the colorful beak that you see in a lot of the advertisements and the the no smoking signs and different things like that. Uh, but the uh, tufted puffin is the black bodied with the uh, yellow tufts on their crown. Um, Beautiful but birds. beyond that, there's, you know, 15 uh, plus um, types of birds here that uh, are somewhat unique to this area and about a handful that are very unique to this area. And it's, it's something that we um, do a decent amount of... Um, bird watching on these boats and and sometimes people really uh you know can find some birds that aren't found anywhere else can you list off a few of those uh, we had harlequin ducks yesterday of course bald eagles mm -hmm. around what other birds people some of the highlights see. from yesterday would be the parakeet auklets that we had those are uh, those are a special uh special site um you know it's a small type of auklet um we have a um rhinoceros auklet which is a little bit more common but is also kind of unique to this area you um, said we saw some of those this morning right mm -hmm. yep and we should be able to see more of those as uh we go back um the way we're heading through the chiswell islands and right in front of us as we pulled into this little cove were some ancient merlets which are also um pretty unique to this area uh, along with kitlicks merlets which are a uh, specific to this area and these glaciers they are found in front of glaciers and you know as far as when I do a full day birding trip that's kind of the the reason why a lot of birders come here that you know they're wanting to check off birds um, uh, for their life list and you know this is an area where you can uh, you can get quite a few that way Right, I didn't realize you did that. It's just for birders too, so that's cool. Some of the places I'm, I'm, I love birds. I'm a mammal person, but I love all, all wildlife and nature. And it really was amazing yesterday where those puffins were and the and the raft of sea otters and the puffins are going around and just on those rocky. I mean, there's so many islands and, and parts of this coastline that are like that. But any of those that any birder pulls into, would just love it. Yeah, yeah exactly, and mm -hmm. then. You know, it's, it's such a big landscape out here. There's tons of places to go. And if, if they're wanting a specific bird, mm -hmm. you know, there, there's there's small little areas where 
they tend to tend to hang out at it's um you know i, I do a lot of fishing as well and it's kind of like fishing you know we all have our spots they're not necessarily secret spots but they're areas that you know um we know where to look at least so yeah well you do right and for anything for the the whales and i mean so this boat is something you you've had this boat for three years you had it custom built and what you said yesterday is based on all your years of experience on various vessels you picked the best for what you wanted for your application and it really does work for multiple uses clearly but as far as wildlife photography viewing or trips of this sort it, it's good for a whole variety of reasons but there's a 33 foot boat can you tell us a little bit about that for our listeners to understand what you have here and, and why it's so suitable for this kind of trip yeah i'm real proud of her um yeah she's custom built uh aluminum catamaran uh, high speed has um, uh, Suzuki 300s outboard engines on her, so uh, we cruise typically 24, 25 knots, um, which in mile per hour that's close to 30 miles per hour, um, and it's a stable platform as well. So, you know, we were talking about the sea lions yesterday and and the challenges and trying to stay in a in a place with heavy surf and a catamaran uh, just as a more stable platform it uh, you know doesn't rock side to side as much it has that kind of four feet on the ground type of a ride and a lot of deck space as well so you know if, if I have something up front or on the sides or on the back it's it's a walk around cabin so uh, you know, if, if a whale swims around you or if uh, you're at a glacier and the breeze turns you around, I'm not having to, you know, just get you off the back of the boat or get you, you know, there's there's great viewing all around that way. And well, it's the boat rotates. One thing I appreciate was bank being able to stay at the perimeter, we could keep the light where we wanted it to be. We didn't. We weren't limited that way. You could be 360 degrees around this boat, so no matter what angle you wanted, it, it was you could accomplish it. And it's, it's got a great cabin, very comfortable, lots of space. Something I found quite unique and interesting. Michael yesterday was filming off the bow of the boat, and you were able to lower the bow practically to the water's level. Yeah, it's got a hydraulic ramp for uh, beach landings. So uh, I wait, wait, we haven't done that yet. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wouldn't be able to get you guys back on board, probably. <laughs> if I dropped you off, it's uh, too much to explore. But sure, uh, yeah, sure. so the uh, I can park on a beach and have a hydraulic gate that I can drop down, um, let people off, uh, kayaks, gear. Um, I do water taxi work that way, and um, you know, for even filming, to be able to lower it down to the water line. So if, if you're wanting that perspective of you're in the icebergs, uh, it's, a, it's a good feature that way. It was cool. Even this morning, you know, I was up filming the, the um, glacier and stuff, and my, my wife, Pilly, kept tapping me on the shoulder and saying, no, no, slow-mo of these icebergs going past the boat. Get that. Have you got that yet? Have you got it? Get it, Mark. <laughs> you know, here's a blue one coming up. Look at the color of that one. What are you doing? <laughs> so by being on eye level to the water like you were yesterday. It's awesome. It's um, it's unbelievable. And it's the just what you have here is, like you said, it's you got the best of all these boats that you've worked on over the years to have the kind of the most opportunistic and with your experience with wildlife you know i think you like you said earlier a lot of these guys 
they zoom in, they point out everything, and they zoom out. Going out with you, you kind of, there's so much. And just the history we talked about this morning. I mean, you could have a whole podcast just on the, his- the history that you say. understand. It's not just the local ecological knowledge, but the his- historical knowledge that you have and from your background, number one, but also from the time that you've spent out here and the people that you've been able to interact with from the sounds of things. But, you know, I feel very fortunate. You know, I, it's something I latched onto it at an early age. And, um, you know, I know it's it's a special um, special thing to, to be able to pick a career and, and work and, and start a company and something you're passionate about. And, and it's something that, um, you know, I, I really want to pass along to folks that way and, and enjoy, you know, any day on the water. It's, you know, every job has its uh, drawbacks, of course, but uh, being able to take people out to a place that you truly love and enjoy is is just a special opportunity i think you mentioned that you you have a degree in this morning when we were riding out and and the waves i know bill said it wasn't going to be rough and it wasn't rough per se and i don't know i no, he didn't say it wasn't going to be rough he said it was smooth calmer than yesterday but but yesterday (laughs) was calm we we did get into the swells in some places but that was a fun ride i found this morning thankfully i i have sea legs i found too so that's okay but you were talking on the way out about your background, and as Ron was alluding to, some of the history of, of the great characters and, and the lifestyle that people have had in this area. But you you have a degree in... Environmental history. So, uh, yeah, I studied... Uh, it's a history degree where you're looking at um, how certain environments shaped historical events, whether it's... Uh, you know, cultures or, uh, you know, up, up here, one of the um, things I've researched is um, World War II in Alaska. It was a real formative time for Alaska. And, um, you know, we it wouldn't necessarily be a state, I don't think, if, if, if that war didn't happen because it, it brought a lot of people up here. It, uh, you know, we saw the strategic importance of it and we're able to um you know develop it into what it is today mm-hmm. no it was interesting because you kept talking about that history and you were talking about the aleutian islands that way which anybody who's familiar with alaska i mean you can't help but be drawn and wonder what that is like out there what life is like for wildlife as 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 well as people who would be out there mm-hmm. to have experienced that whether short term or long term so it was neat to hear that history and everywhere we went along the way for people who join you in the future to see this coastline, and again, it's it has to be seen to be fully appreciated, and the wildlife that's all around here. But you also shared the history of 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 each of the names and why it's named that way, and, and each each cove, each pass, each narrows. It was it's interesting, and so you're a great host, is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> and I also wanted to before getting off the topic of your of your boat. The name of your boat ties in to what we're talking about, too. Yeah, uh, she's called the Growler. And, uh, you know, kind of my joke right away is people think that I like a big gallon of uh, beer. That's what I thought Growlers <laughs> were, to be honest. It's not that I don't I don't like that. But, uh, you know, Growler uh, also up here means uh, a type of iceberg that we have. And uh, 
if you look at ice, it's very sculpturesque and it can have real concave features and can make sound. If water's slapping against it, it can make different uh, noises and break apart and roll around. And, and so they, they call, um, you know, kind of this, it's not, an, an iceberg is actually a very large piece of ice. So the, a growler is kind of that uh, medium size um, iceberg and then you have the bergy bits so like a car ice. size uh yeah or... roughly a car size you know we, we say about a couch size okay you know uh, above a living room couch basically but... so you elected for that to be the name of your boat yeah and you it's know good it's, one. it's got a lot of horsepower too so sure. she, she growls right. across the water but yeah. uh you know it's uh yeah once you name a boat it's something you uh repeat on the radio about 30 times a day so you better uh Better like what you name her, basically. So. <laughs> right, right. Better enjoy it. Yeah. So could you just run through a day, um, and we've done a little bit of that, but just start to finish of what people can expect when they go out with you on a trip like this. I think most of our audience, obviously, are wildlife photographers or, or photographers. So what can they expect in, in a little bit about, and it's not a steadfast thing, right? You have options, and just kind of take it from there. Yeah, this is a, a small boat tour, so I limit the size of this trip to six passengers, and that, um, and it's just a private trip. So um, you rent the boat for the day; it's not a per person. So if you know, it's I'm not putting a couple people that want to fish with a couple people that want to go birding and and different object objectives that way. But uh, you know, doing. Um, what the group wants to do so every morning you know i have a discussion on you know this is what the weather's doing this is what you know potentially the wildlife's doing and and what's going on out there and just trying to maximize your guys's expectations for the day you know if if it's uh, photography like this trip uh, then you know uh, wildlife uh, trying to it's an incredible abundance of wildlife out here there's there's um you know, sea lions, seals, otters, uh, eagles, uh, mountain goats, um, bears. Not to mention, yeah, the uh, all the the bird uh, bird activity that we have, and and um, you know, we saw good good pot of orcas yesterday too, and they were uh, fishing. They were chasing down salmon right in front of us initially. There, the salmon were jumping right over the water in front yeah. of us. Yeah, exactly. It's entertaining. So it's uh, you know basically uh try to cater the trip to whatever um you guys want to do you know I've, I've done full days of photography where all we do is follow otters around you know and um a trip like this i i really appreciate because we do a variety of things you know you, you guys have to a certain extent left it up to me to you know put us on what 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 i think is going to be the best day for you guys and as an operator that that's that's great because you know that's trusting me and and what what you know bringing my own local experience to it and i think that's been a, a big factor in why this has been a, a great couple of days with you guys so yeah it's awesome i highly recommend it and we'll put all the links in the show notes to your site and all the places they can find you but not on instagram right? <laughs> sewer <laughs> charters yeah. but charters. tomorrow we have this, uh, I guess it's kind of becoming a tradition of calling our shot 
So tomorrow <laughs> we're going to need the humpbacks breaching right in front of a glacier. <laughs> is, is, that, is that better than the bubble net feeding? Well, we no, after first? the bubble net feeding. I, I, either is fine. I'm not, I'm not concerned about oh, the no, order. I said to have both. No pressure, Bill. I did set the bar pretty high last <laughs> summer, I think, because we did spend a good, good amount of the day uh, with, uh, you know, it was just one of those. Uh, there's about a four or five day stretch last summer where we had these bubble netters, and uh, you got, you know, we're lucky enough to show up during that, and we were able to, you know, have a backdrop of a of a the largest glacier in Kenai Fjords National Park, a, a glacier stretching back for over 12 miles. And in front of that, we had 10, 11 whales feeding actively. And breaching. <laughs> yeah, and breaching. We had everything. It so was it's, awesome. Uh, it's one of those things that, uh, you know, it doesn't happen every day. Um, but uh, this is a place that uh, you, you have uh, better chances than most to, to see see some pretty well the magic credit will happen yeah and if nobody had told me about that experience i'd be thinking we had set the bar high on this trip <laughs> already right yes yeah. absolutely and I, I mean i just looked at you guys this morning and um i've been fortunate enough to be out with bill last year but when we came around this corner and the two of you guys when you saw that glacier it was like holy moly yeah. i mean I it's just at, like that i looked at mark and i was like shrugged my shoulders and he said yep <laughs> Nothing to say, is there? <laughs> no. No. And that's just that's, speechless. I'm glad that we left a lot of this up to Bill that way. Yeah. Because learning about this coastline is as enjoyable as any of the photography. There's so much just Absolutely. to take in and see here. So, you know, and if mm -hmm. as far as your charter goes, honestly, the difference in the in what you get to experience practically on water's level and and covering so much terrain directed toward what your clients want for six clients if they split that up cost wise you know in my opinion it, it's well worth it it's a it's a great service and 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 truly you are the difference maker and not not blowing smoke there i mean it because of what you brought that we've seen far more than i would have anticipated for wildlife you know and we'll hope for well that. let me just add on to that because I can sit at these glaciers and I, you know, I have a blast photographing bears or elk or moose or whatever, right? Moose. Moose. Thank yeah. you. We got moose in the podcast. Thank you. <laughs> but there's a history. The anticipation and watching, waiting for that glacier to calve is just as fun as waiting on a grizzly bear or waiting on a moose. I think. I don't know. I had, I could sit there all day because you just want that perfect shot, right? Mm -hmm. You know, it's just one of those things where you just, if I had, well, you've you've put the you've dangled the carrot in front of us where you're like, well, next year we could bring some kayaks. We could drop you off on this beach, and you guys can kayak and spend all day out there. And then you can camp, and then you get this really pretty. Well, and the sun really never goes down. It goes down, but it never really gets dark. So you would be able to shoot mm -hmm. as long as you want. It'd be amazing. It's all up to the weather, but the days are super long and enjoyable and, and really invigorating that way. To the point of beyond exhaustion. I don't. I almost <laughs> forgot how to walk by the time I got back to the cabin last night. After I'm switching from a four-hour time difference out east, right, and then coming, and then three days later, and just gung ho, and the days are so long, you want to take it all in, and you can't stop on a, on a trip like this. You know, you don't. As, you know, my eyes might have closed once or twice briefly uh, while transitioning from one place to another, but you can't. You can't afford to. It's too beautiful here. The la the landscape is. 
you know, I think Ron, for those people who saw Avatar, there are places that fit. Yeah. Or we've talked about That's other exactly iconic like TV shows that the backdrops. You know, this is just. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna say an epic, <laughs> an epic destination. So it's worth doing without it, remorse. Without remorse. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Thank you, Freddie. So let's uh, let's wrap this up because we got it hall to the next spot and we'll try mm-hmm. to do another podcast tomorrow maybe Just if you're interested maybe one quick question before yeah, what's wh- what is with everything that you've seen and experienced what's the one thing that you would you're still missing from alaska or that alaska has to offer well alaska in one person's lifetime i feel like it's just scratching the surface you know it it's such a huge state and having you know, been to Katmai and Anwar and Denali National Park, and the more you're able to to see up here, you just realize you're scratching the surface. There's um, areas that are worth spending years in. You know, the Wrangell St. Elias, um, you know, Kenai Fjords National Park, Gates of the Arctic. You know, there, there's areas that that I've just briefly been into, but um, just having the taste of it, you know. You, you you realize what's out there and you you want to then make the effort to to spend the time to get to know these places because they're just um it'll blow you away i mean it's um i i've picked seward and i've uh, set up my home here in seward but um you know ultimately alaska just uh offers limitless things to check out and um even out of seward there's there's areas that I haven't uh, driven my boat to yet. <laughs> you know, I I uh, want to go to Nuka Island. There's an area out west uh, that, you know, it's the, the coastline here is uh, some of the most remote places in the in in Alaska. But but also uh, you can access it from Seward. You know, with a good boat and and a and, and a and a full day to explore. It's um, is something you can really get to some wild places quickly. What did you say this morning? You said that more people should not try to ride up here and go to Denali and mm-hmm. go to Homer yeah. and go to. You, what did you yeah. equate that well, to? That, that's to? what I see a lot. You know, people do a ten-day trip up here and they want to they want to fly into Anchorage and then they want to maybe fish in Homer and check out Seward and then wind up in Talkeetna and Denali. You know, it's the equivalent of flying to Dallas and you want to see Santa Fe and Little Rock and maybe Oklahoma City. You know, it's <laughs> it's just uh, it's on a different scale up here. And, and it's and I think, you know, the, the one thing I would caution is not spreading yourself out too thin. You want to, um, you know, there's Homer's worth a week, Seward's worth a week, Talkeetna's worth a week. All these places um, you can really spend time in and enjoy um and just you know realize that it's vast distances here and and um you know there's uh, a lot of value into really immersing yourself into to one location here and there's tons of stuff in seward that you don't have to have a boat for too right i mean there's plenty of things to do exit glacier and all kinds of stuff yeah you can go ice climbing uh dog mushing fly up on a helicopter go dog mushing there's um world-class sea kayaking uh, there's rafting in the area. There's zipline course, um, a wonderful research and rehab facility for marine wildlife and aquarium exhibits called the Sea Life Center. Um, great restaurants. 
know, it's a it's a fun place to be. Fantastic seafood. Mm-hmm. And I, y- you have to get out and see the coastline, though. Really? Oh yeah, yeah. I would not want to come here and not do this. Yeah. That's for sure. There's just there are so many options, and I I think you offer. Yeah, I would have no hesitation doing this all over again, and and I'm glad we're only halfway through our time with you. Yeah. No. Fun fun time with you guys. Okay. Well, thanks, Bill, for taking the time. Let's get going and see what else we'll discover this afternoon. You just never know. There's such a wealth of, of wildlife, but not just that, the landscape, the ever-changing weather systems. It's magnificent. So stay tuned. We'll have another podcast in no time at all for your listening enjoyment. I want to take a moment and thank Missy McKenzie for all that she does producing this podcast behind the scenes. And I also want to encourage you that no matter which podcast platform you're listening to us on, to follow along and subscribe and to give us that positive review, that five-star rating, that thumbs up. Those allow us to do what we love to do and to bring you this podcast on a regular basis. Until next time, coming to you from Alaska, you've been listening to Wild and Exposed Podcast. Thanks for tuning in.